<laughs> well, that is so, so good. And I do believe God's personally, I feel like in my own life, said that I'm going to have a Barnabas, Barnabas type of uh, ministry, an, an encouraging ministry as Barnabas in the, gospel, um, in the book of Acts uh, found the Apostle Paul and called him for it. But I believe as a church that God's going to give us grace to influence people who have great influence uh, for God. You know, it doesn't make Gigi more important uh, that she's doing this, but God has placed her here. She is important and uh, God wants to do a mighty work. So let's glorify his name today for his goodness. Hey, it is good to be back here. We, um, my wife and I and our two sons went on a sabbatical. We drove down the East Coast to Hilton Head, South Carolina and spent uh, about four weeks there. And drove back up, saw a few people on the way, and been back here secretively, but not so secretively, because some of you have seen us for about a week and a half. I lost my tan, whatever I did have. But um, it was a wonderful time. I'm so grateful for the crew that uh, preached while we were gone. Wonderful things I heard about about everything that was shared. And uh, But uh, yeah, we were just encouraged uh, with all that God's doing, we were um, refreshed, we were renewed, our family drawn closer, uh, but we were also renewed in our understanding that God's called us to be right here. <laughs> and we're so assured of God's wonderful purposes for this church. And I'm thrilled. There's nowhere else in the world I'd rather be. There is no place like home. I want to talk today about one thing. <laughs> I want to talk about um, that concept today. You know, our, our world, our modern world has so many responsibilities, so many um, uh, things that we're uh, distracted by, and, and uh, we're just so many things. That it's a fast and ever-increasing pace of life. Would anybody out there agree with that? It is increasing. I'm tired thinking about it. But... Um, you know, we have that abundance of responsibilities uh, before us um, and that long list of desires even that goes. There's so many options and so many desires in, in this world. And, you know, I was noticing even as I got back from sabbatical, actually I was still on sabbatical, kind of, uh, but I was. And uh, I noticed there's a lot of responsibilities in life, even on sabbatical. <laughs> Um, yes, my, uh, let me just list a few of those for you. My four and two year old sons, Jude Knight and Jake Saint have needs. They need me to find their fire suits and their police suits for them. You know, daddy, where is it? I don't know where I left it. We go and we search and we're finding it so that they can take, put all the fires out in our house and so that they can issue tickets around the house. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> tickets of love, but tickets nonetheless. We got back and um, uh, Joel uh, Van Sickle was so kind to mow our yard, but our yard needed another mow, a little, uh, you know, uh, touch up this week. And, and we had bushes and, and we had an ant and a bug invasion. I mean, you want to talk about it? It was, it could have made a movie, you know. Um, <laughs> we had ants, you know, everywhere. And um, we, uh, you know, I ended up needing to deal with that. On sabbatical, responsibilities, things going on. Um, and we called the exterminator, who we're calling again because the major problem is now a minor problem and about to go away. 
after we get the exterminator out again. <laughs> but that, that's just, uh, you know, a few examples there. Um, my, my family needs me, uh, and that's a joy. Those are good things. Uh, but there are so many needs in life, and ever-increasing, you know. Um, at whatever age you are, your responsibilities will increase. We have a couple in our family that's about to have their eighth child. Their responsibilities are increasing <laughs> daily, right? And if I ever get overwhelmed, I just look at them and see how they're flourishing <laughs> in Jesus. You know, that's not to mention the fact that this very week we all were uh, at one level of, of, uh, of stillness. Jake was jumping around. We were in the uh, ultrasound and found out we're having a baby girl. Yes. Oh, no, I'm in trouble. <laughs> I'm in trouble. You dads of girls I <laughs> wrapped around that finger. Man, I, I don't know. It's going to be great trouble. Uh, uh, so in love with her and melted. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> I, um, there's, there's just a lot of responsibilities. That's not to mention a, a thing called email. <laughs> Have you ever seen email before? Oh, my goodness. It just keeps coming. And it keeps coming and it keeps coming. So, you know, there are those needs. Needless to say... Oh, I, another thing I wanted to mention is that uh, uh, not only did we have an ant and insect invasion, we had a catatonic bird that landed on our side porch that I had to deal with because I'm the man of the house, right? <laughs> I'm the where the che- where's the cheese guy. I, I feel like a mouse, you know. But uh, so you know, so the uh, um, the birds out there laying dead. I'm. Sarah's freaked. I'm a little bit freaked, but I'm going to deal with it, you know. So I'm out there. I got a, I got a, a rake turned upside down, you know, picking it up and dumping it into our, uh, our uh, trash can, which I had moved right next to the porch, and uh, I got it. But there are things and responsibilities and distractions in life. Can you agree with me on that? Or are you too distracted to do that? Well, you know. Um, in the midst of life with all of its responsibilities and all of its concerns and, and all the things going on, uh, there are very few people who are known by one thing. They're known by one thing. But there are a few people in life who have given themselves in such a way to one thing that they're known by it. If I say the name Mozart, you're going to think piano. If I say Michael Phelps, you're generally, you're going to think swimming. If I say Tiger Woods, you're going to think golf, and the list goes on. They may have had other things that have pl- played a role in their lives at different times, but they are really known by one thing. Their name is almost synonymous with it. When I say Michael Jordan, no matter what he's done, basketball. And this is because they focused on one thing above all else. They gave themselves to it. And the question I want to ask today, whether you have a relationship right now with God or whether you don't, is what one thing would you like for your life to be marked by? What one thing, if people hear your name, would you like your life to be marked by in a complicated and distracted world? Well, let's look at the Bible 
uh, in order to see the answer to this question. And we're going to look at the Bible and we're going to see it from one of the most influential people, if not uh, other than the Lord Jesus, uh, the most influential Old Testament figure, King David. David, the king of Israel. Let's open our Bibles, or if you have on your Bible, uh, on, your, on your phone, a Bible app, or whatever else you would like to use, to Psalm 27 and verse 4. I'm reading in the New International Version, the, the New New International Version, the 2011, but uh, different versions uh, uh, are, are obviously fine. And um, that's the particular one that I use. It says here, one thing I ask from the Lord, and this only do I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him. In his temple. Read that one more time. One thing I ask from the Lord. This only do I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze on the beauty of the Lord. And to seek him in his temple. David desired one thing. He desired one thing above all other things. And this was the one thing that he sought for above all else. And that was the presence of God. And you may ask yourself uh, if the presence of God is something that you must make God give to you. I don't say it that way. God's presence was made available through Jesus Christ. But to seek His presence is to enjoy His presence, to make His presence the primary thing that you have in your life. His presence is available. Who will make it the one thing that they must have for the rest of their lives? Let's check here on Psalm chapter 27 and say, where was David? Because it it is said in the superscript or whatever you want to call it, the subscript. uh, It says, by David. And in the Septuagint, the Greek uh, translation of it, it says before he was anointed. Um, uh, There were three anointings of David. I'm not going to go into that right now. But the point there is that David wrote this. If we look and get a perspective on where he was, it will help us understand that his world was not an easy and simple world. His world was distracted. His world was divided at times or tempting to divide him. But he sought one thing above all else. Let's look at that world. Well, in Psalm 27, we see terminology of him fleeing. He's fleeing. He's being pursued by an enemy. Take that to heart, okay? Remember that. He's talking about his mother and father. He's saying, though my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will receive me. So he's in close contact with the relationship with his mother and father and feeling the, the, the rentness of relationship, the tornness of his relationship with his parents. One thing, though, he said he needed. And, uh, so, and it also mentions warfare. And it uses warfare terms. So this is 
my suggestion and my viewpoint, which is agreed with by many and disagreed with by some. But my viewpoint on this is that it was written after David was a shepherd in his father's house and before he was anointed king of Israel, before he was anointed the final time to take, before he actually ruled as king of Israel. David was on the run for his life from Saul, King Saul, his predecessor. David was in the desert running for his life. And another thing it says here, which you might want to know, which might help you to understand your own life. The second point is that David had a motley crew with him. Motley crew. He had a group of misfits, a group of men that had not yet been changed to be the mighty men of his later days. We see that... um, he was with these men, and in, in 1 Samuel chapter 22, as he is fleeing from Saul, right? It says this. Think about this, if this is the kind of group of guys you want gathering around you. It says, And all those who were in distress, or in debt, or discontented, gathered around him David, and he became their leader. Oh, I'm distressed. I'm in debt. Up to my eyeballs. I'm discontented. No. Discontent. In debt, discontented, distressed. And they all gathered around him and he became their leader. Bummer. That was God's training. That was God's training for David. Because later, these defeated misfits became mighty men of God. But this was not the time when they were mighty men of God. This was the time when they were a mighty pain in the rear. To David, and you need to know that. Let me let me get back to what I'm trying to say. How this relates to my earlier comments about the many things and the distractions of life that can come and that are vying for our attention is, is this. First of all, David, as he was saying, one thing I ask of the Lord was fleeing for his life. Fleeing is not particularly a um, lackadaisical exercise. Fleeing means flee. We saw some crocodiles when we were down in South Carolina. And uh, if one of those started crawling toward me, you would see flee. You would see what flee really looks like. But David was fleeing. What does that look like? It means that he's setting up camp, looking over his shoulder. They may have been there for a few hours. They have to break down camp. They're running to get a report from some messenger. He's running for his life from the most powerful man he knows, King Saul, with an army coming after him. that's distracted. (laughs) Well, he's also got this group, as I said, he's got this group of guys around him. And that is just, you know, it's just a challenging situation. You have 400 men that were discontent, in debt, distracted, and disabling him, potentially. But he said, one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze on the beauty of the Lord and seek Him in His holy temple. The point of what I'm saying here is this. David sought the presence of God as one thing. That one thing above all else. In the midst of a crazy and a stressed and a hectic life. He was in the midst of a life that was hectic. He was in the midst of stress. Yet he sought God. Yet he sought the presence of God as the one 
thing in his life. You know, I don't know what that seeking of God looked like in David's life. But I can tell you this. It meant sometimes they were enjoying themselves and, and uh, either talking and telling jokes around the campfire. And he was out in the presence of God in the desert seeking God's face. It might have meant they were sleeping because they'd had a long night. They were, they were all dusty and discouraged and <laughs> they'd been fleeing all night and they landed on their heads and they'd only had three hours of sleep and daylight came again. But David was up seeking his God, seeking for the presence of God with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. That is what it may have I don't know what it looked like, but I can guarantee you this. David sometimes was dog-tired and he sought God's presence. David sometimes was, um, uh, was in all kinds of straits of, of, of discouragement and distress and problems and he sought God above all else. You know, let's go back to modern day for a second here. <laughs> How about it? <clears throat> uh, let's talk a little bit about the here and now. About the many things that compete for the one thing. Needs and complications never stop coming, as I said, in our modern lives. They will not stop coming. Jesus himself said, you will have many troubles in this world, but take heart. I've overcome the world. He didn't say, love me and you'll have no more troubles. He said, you will have troubles. There's a promise from Jesus to grab hold of. Well, thank you, Lord. I'm going to have troubles. He said it. You know, we have family concerns. There's many people that have had sick relatives recently. You know, I think of Rob even going down and uh, to uh, D.C. area uh, and giving um, having a bone marrow um, transplant for his father, taking care of his father, a godly, righteous thing that Rob has done there. So many others, Marcella Monica caring for her mother. Oh, so many in our fellowship have had family concerns, legitimate family concerns. Uh, let's look at a few of these other things. Distressed relatives. Anybody had a distressed relative lately or been distressed <laughs> by one of your relatives? How about health concerns of your own? People have had health concerns. Different member or two of our staff have been... Uh, hospitalized lately. Different ones that have had stuff. They're fine now. <laughs> but, you know, things that have gone on. Um, you know, that's not to mention the fact I can go on with financial concerns. How about uh, this thing? Anybody got one of these? Smartphone? If you have a dumb phone, you're the smart one. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> I say that, but I'm keeping it. Media at your fingertips. What? A blessed thing and what a hugely distracting thing for us. I mean, goodness, think about it. There's the latest video, the latest tweet, the latest Instagram to look at. There's the latest. There's always the latest. And you can get it laying in bed. You can get it uh, riding your bike or right, driving your car when you're not supposed to. You can get it uh, wherever you want to get it as long as you got Wi-Fi. And we're not even going to need Wi-Fi after a while. It's not getting less complicated is what I'm trying to say. Your life. How about with computers and TV and DVR? There's the latest news channel. Sporting event. Reality series, I've got a confession to make. I got into Duck Dynasty 
uh, over the break. These Louisiana guys with the long beard. <laughs> they actually love Jesus. I've actually heard testimony on that. But, you know, I, I wasn't, I was, anyway, Uncle Cy and all these folks. I, it's a reality series. Um, of, they made these duck calls and his, the dad did. And then um, they have some amazing kind of money, <laughs> but they're simple people. And it's this thing. Well, I kind of got into it. There's enough distractions, right? <laughs> but I got into one. <laughs> Not to count hobbies. Anybody got a hobby? Anybody got a lack of hobbies? <clears throat> C.S. Lewis uh, said it this way in talking about uh, the multiplicity of distractions and um, choosing one thing over everything else. I want to read this. It comes from The Weight of Glory, his book, The Weight of Glory. The question I ask as I'm about to read this is, what do you have to have? Uh, um, let me, yeah, let me read it. It says, we are always falling in love or quarreling, looking for jobs or fearing to lose them, getting ill and recovering, following public affairs, if we let ourselves, we shall always be waiting for some distraction or other to end before we can really get down to our work. The only people who achieve much are those who want knowledge so badly that they seek it while the conditions are still unfavorable. Favorable conditions never come. I suggest the knowledge of God, the presence of God is what I want to seek even when the conditions aren't favorable. If we wait till favorable conditions, it may never come. What David, or I'm sorry, what C.S. Lewis so aptly states here is that that favorable time rarely comes. But those who are marked by one thing, they choose it because they have to have it. Right? Michael Phelps had to have the goal. I don't know if he had that eight times one um, uh, Olympics, but he had to have it. He focused everything he had around it. Well, you know, we make time for that that we have to have. That's another point that I want to make in this. We make time. When I was in Hilton Head, it is a vacation spot, friends. But there are a lot of people who live there. When I was in Hilton Head, men walked in with Delta Science. So any kind of building I was in, or, you know, a, a restaurant, coffee shop. They had, uh, you know, tap and shoes, golf shoes. They had the, the, the golf shirt. They had, I knew what they were doing. They were either going to or coming from playing golf. And this concept came to my mind. Interesting. These men, they didn't look like, you know, absolute reprobates. They didn't look like people that were just, um, didn't care about anybody. These men had families. These men had children. These men had jobs and responsibilities. But somehow, these men who have jobs and families and responsibilities and everything else had five hours. Four hours maybe for something good, like me, maybe going on six hours to do that thing to play golf. We make time for what we want in life. Let's quit making excuses. Do we want the presence of God as the one thing in our life above all else? What one thing I want to ask of us, whether you as I said, know Jesus and have a personal relationship with Him, or whether you're seeking, whether you don't know, 
What one thing is of primary importance to you in life? What one thing do you want to be marked by in your life? Let's look again at the scripture in Psalm 27, verse 4. Get a picture of what the one thing is that I would suggest is above all else. David, speaking in Psalm 27, 4, again says, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek. You notice he is seeking. God's presence is in God loved him. But David sought his presence. Because God would accept him knowing because he wants to know everything of his God in this day, uh, in, in the day that he lived, and he wants to be marked by God. One thing I see, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. What did the house of the Lord represent? What did the Ark of the Covenant, which was behind, which which was behind the uh, uh, curtain and was in the Holy of Holies, that represented the presence of God. He wanted the presence of God. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. <laughs> and sees. Francis Frangicam uh, is a teacher with Morning Star Ministries. A number of uh, years ago, uh, well, uh, Francis, uh, he talked on a video, and he talked about a man who had decided that the one thing he wanted his life to be marked by was God's presence. The one thing he wanted to quit making excuses for was, was um, uh, being uh, lazy or dissipated in his pursuit of God. And he talked about this man, and I think you'll appreciate uh, what he had to go through to have God as the one thing in his life. He said, uh, he said that this man realized after looking at his life, so Francis What would it look like in our homes if 
everyone had sought God in His presence as the first thing. Uh, and given God, um, pursued God in His presence. What would that look like? What would it look like if in our neighborhoods, with our neighbors, if the one thing had been sought by us uh, in our daily lives? And I want to ask this, what one thing, what, what would it look like uh, in um, our city? You know, and that's the one thing that is most desperately needed in the city of Boston. The presence of God. How does the presence of God come to the city of Boston? Through God's people. Through God's people. Filled with the presence of God. Full of the goodness of God. Reaching out of us. I want to challenge us to this for the remainder of this month. This is a simple challenge. God will love you if you don't do this. His, His grace is for you. But I want to challenge us for the remainder of this month to find a time and a place to get alone with God every day and to enjoy His presence. You notice I said enjoy His presence. Don't get there trying to prove something to Him about how spiritual you are. You come before Him and begin thanking Him, if you know Him as a believer, for His everlasting mercy to you, Jesus. You just begin thanking Him for calling out your name. You begin thanking Him that He loved you before you ever thought of loving Him. If the focus is on His goodness, His kindness. I want to challenge each and every one of us to do that this month. It doesn't have to be a long period of time. I'm just saying, insist on getting with God each month, each day. And um, I, I want you to open your bulletin. If you have it with you, I want you to look in there. We're going to have communion here coming up, but there's a little sheet here in your bulletin that says, Daily time with Jesus. I commit to daily time with Jesus. Don't commit to daily time with Jesus unless it's a joy of your heart to do it. No condemnation on you. If it's not a joy of your heart, you feel like Jeff told me I had to do it, don't do it. It's not a have to in the Christian life to get to. You get to do it for God, for His presence. But if you choose to answer these questions, where am I going to get time with God this month? You gotta think about it. And with the more kids you got, the more you gotta think about it. when or how long you can go over or under, God still loves you. But for how long? It's good to have a goal. You may have nothing. You hit it every time. And who will hold me accountable? This is the important piece. Who am I going to say? Get with God this week. Maybe you've already done it. Praise God. Pray for the rest of us. And pray for, pray for God's grace. But the one thing I want us to do, so I want you to take that, um, I want you to either throw it out now or take it home with you. And um, take it home is probably... Not a great idea. <laughs> I suggest to you before you leave today at some point, just go that out. Just take a moment. Uh, sometime when you sit down and uh, asking God, where do you want me to be? How much time? What's your plan? If today is not good for you, take it home today and, and do it. And you can write an email. We've got more of them up here if you need this sheet. But the one response I want to do really before that is to, to ask all of us, in a moment here, I just want to ask us, and then we're going to have communion as a response. I'd like to ask every one of us to ask God to reveal any excuses we've made 
about seeking His presence, God's presence, as the one thing above all else in our lives. Just ask God, what excuse have I made? How have I made excuses about work, about school, about all my responsibilities? And then ask God to forgive you and know His grace and mercy is upon you to seek Him in a fresh way. See, God doesn't desire to judge in any way. He desires to set free. If we seek Him, we will find Him as we seek Him with all of our heart. If you are not a follower of Jesus right now, I encourage you to take time to consider whether you want to make God's presence the one thing in your life. And take time out and um, talk to someone here or talk to me and take a little time out the rest of this one and get on your journey with God. So in conclusion, in this life of distraction, this life of craziness, who will choose to have their life marked by one thing? And that one thing, and as a church and individually, I will challenge us before all other things, because everything else will fall into line, is to have to be in the presence of God and to know Him and to seek Him in the day we